No doubt or nation, the curtain has officially fallen on the 2022 NCAA college baseball season. College World Series has come to a close, and the Ole Miss Rebels have taken home their first ever College World Series title in their seventh try in College <laughs> World Series. Six, six try, excuse me. Um, but yeah, hotty toddy, gosh almighty, what a uh, what a College <laughs> World Series. Um, boom, you know, it caught both you and I uh, off, uh, I think off guard a little bit. You know, we were very confident <laughs> with Oklahoma, but uh, and likened uh, them to take it to to a full three games here. Uh, but the Rebels came strong out of the gates, and they got this done in uh, in two games. They sure did. It's when we put we put our eggs in the Oklahoma baskets, uh, but it's just it just goes to show that these teams. It's just they have the drive. It's it's a different world. It's kind of like MLB, where anything can happen in a three game series. Any team can beat any other team on any given day, but Ole Miss has just proven they had the talent from the very beginning. And just it was took, just, a, took a while for it all to come together. It sure did. But now, yeah, we're going to just talk about it, celebrate it. So we did it. We covered college baseball this time around. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, you know, you, you, you allowed me here with this programming to, uh, to be able to take kind of ownership of the, uh, the sport here and yeah. covering it, uh, here. It's been a pleasure doing this with you, um, mm-hmm. uh, over the past season here, started back in February, uh, the end of June is here seeing this season has come and gone. Uh, I had a ton of fun doing it. Um, it's, uh, you know, you, it, I'll even for myself, I mean, it's just such a long season that, you know, we get to, we get kind of towards the end of the regular season. I was kind of feeling a bit burned out on college baseball. I was like, <laughs> man, I'm so ready for the, uh, so ready for postseason play to start here. I'm ready for, uh, for Omaha to come around and it's, oh, yeah. but sticking through it, uh, persevering, pushing on through, it was all worth it here. Obviously coming sure. to see a fantastic close to the season. Like we did here with the, uh, with the rebels. Um, but yeah, before we jump more into that, you know, it's been a minute since we've done, we've done this, but, uh, Boom. We, uh, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to bring back a segment yes. that, uh, you know, was kind of part of some of the original episodes. And as we've, uh, we've shifted our focus and content a little bit over time, uh, has become less of a focus here, but you know, we're, we're celebrating the close of another great college baseball season. And we thought we'd go ahead and bring, uh, and, and, uh, and do it for this show. Um, so tell our audience what we are going to do. That's right. It's a special edition. We're celebrating the end of college baseball, and that means poor and score, people. That's right. Trav and I are going to indulge in some adult beverages because when you're watching baseball, postseason baseball especially, it's always good to have your favorite uh, poison of choice in hand. Drink it responsibly. Um, so we got our poisons of, of choice because whenever you pour, you score. So I'm going to put it right back on you, T.O. and Lawfully. What are you drinking this evening? So, uh, I believe this was kind of common as we were, uh, during some of the previous, uh, poor and score segments here that I've, I'm opening up my palate to wine a bit more. Um, nice. and you know, it's, uh, uh, and with, uh, with the summer here, I'm doing that especially with white wine. So I'm finishing off a bottle here of Chardonnay. This is a 2019 substance, Washington state Chardonnay. So to nice. see the label here. It looks almost something like something off the periodic table of the elements. So uh, partaking <laughs> in the elements here this evening of uh, of Chardonnay. Uh, Chardonnay, just a great, 
all around type of white wine. I liken it to, it's like the, it's like the cab, like the Cabernet of, uh, of all white wines. It just goes well with the, with about any situation, um, any type of food you're having, um, whether you're having food with it or not. There you go. We've had many different alcoholic beverages on the show. We've had cocktails, wine, beer, bourbon. It's just whatever you feel like drinking at the time. And once again, T-Bone going for the finer things in life. Yeah, that's a good Chardonnay. It's, uh, I'd say it's on the drier side. Um, not super sweet. Um, just goes down really easy. It's a good, uh, has a good note in the head to it. Just says that like an all-around great white wine um, that you can have with just about anything and it's it's so relaxing it's so refreshing so that you can sip on but this has a lot of substance and depth to it um i uh yeah i don't know how i you know i'm <laughs> rating a wine rating wines is more difficult for me because i uh yeah, yeah I, I just don't have the experience with it like I do beers and really all maybe the same type of conviction to say, hey, this is an eight out of 10 or a nine out of 10. No. But I'll say, you know, this is a good eight and a half out of 10. I think that go. uh, gives me a good baseline of, uh, of good stuff to uh, to look for in a white wine. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I'll take that any day of the week. Uh, so uh, go ahead and give us the name of that one more time. Yes, sir. This is the Substance Washington State Chardonnay 2019. Uh, as the label says here on the back, quality of being important, valid, and significant. Substance Chardonnay, Columbia Valley 2019. Charles Smith Winemaker. Produced and bottled by Wines of Substance, Mottawa, Washington, USA. There you go, Washington State, uh, the home of the majority of hops in the United States and a home to a good wine, apparently. So there you go, all the way from the Northwest. Um, I have a beer this evening, and this is a special, special beer. This is a beer that I've had on, on draft several times. Uh, I've had this beer. It's from the Austin, Texas area. Shout out to all the people in Austin, Texas this evening. I've had this on draft several times at Alamo Draft Houses, as may, where I mainly had it. But this brewery just recently started canning their beers. So this is a very recent phenomenon. Happened probably within the last month or two. So for the first time, people are going to be able to enjoy this beer from Total Wine, Specs, or wherever. So presenting one of the first few cans... Well, within a month or two. I don't know. It's not the first ones they've done. But uh, presenting a rock-solid West Coast IPA straight out of Austin, Texas, 512 IPA. That's repping the 512, baby. That's right. Check it out. They have moved on up into the world. This is a 100% craft beer. Uh, we almost exclusively do craft beer on the show, and this is 100% independent Look at that. They even got the logo on it. Uh, their website doesn't offer a whole lot on it, but it is a West Coast IPA, 7% alcohol by volume. They're up on their website. It just says, yes, finally, you can get our classic West Coast style IPA in 12 ounce cans. Good for any time and anywhere. There you go. Uh, I've always enjoyed this and I've always drank from it every chance I could get. Uh, just again, mostly just in draft style. So it's 7% alcohol by volume. Um, I'm trying to get the bitterness on it. 
not finding it. Uh, well, it's a 65 bitterness. So right off the bat, it is a rock solid IPA just by the specs. I mean, 7.2 is no joke and 65 IBUs is no joke. So without further ado, I got my Texas tech glass because it's college people. We have to yeah, represent. I got, I got mine as well. So uh, there you go, yeah, man. Yes. Properly shown there in front of the camera. Yes, the five one two back in the five one two. Julie repping the five one two. Well, let's let's do it. Yeah, to get it. I don't know where you can get it, Julie, but um, I'm sure you can look it around. But it is canned. Yeah, West Coast. I'm I'm going back to what I love, people, and what I love is West Coast IPAs. So this is gonna be fun. I've, you know, I ventured out a few times. But this is in my wheelhouse. This is our wheelhouse, Travis. It's our favorite kind of beer. So. Yes, we are we are resident hopheads here, no doubter. Mm-hmm. A lot of head. I mean, I'm just trying to expedite the process here. Mm-hmm. All right. So right, right off the bat, not very translucent. This right here, this color right here, is stereotypical IPA. Yeah, that is. It's, the real IPA, the West Coast IPA. <laughs> Seriously, no, not, not the what, hazy nonsense that the Northeast has. Oh yeah, no, I love we, I love New England style IPAs. This is what we love. I mean, you just smell it. Like this is the quintessential West Coast IPA. So, colors good, nose is very strong. So right off the bat, I'm gonna go ahead and just dive right on into it. Mm. Mm. That thing is bitter. That thing is bitter right there uh thank you helen um he sure would get that would love trying the 512 representing the 512 thanks for joining in everybody but yeah just right off the bat the you know the hops are just very strong i mean it, it attacks you but i love it that's why i love bitter bitter beers because you drink it and it just it boom it, it punches you in the face and so this is probably not a gateway ipa you probably want to work your way up to this but if you consider yourself a fan of IPAs, West Coast, you cannot go wrong with this. This is unapologetic West Coast. It's not light. I mean, the hops are there, and it's just so bitter. I'm going to get another... Mm. Mm. You just... You feel it. I mean, the aftertaste, I wish there was a little more there, but it's still solid. The hops, the bitterness, it's just... It's just rock solid. So as far as a rating, mm, it's definitely getting an eight. Uh, man, I think I'm gonna go. Mm, I'm gonna go eight and a half, begrudgingly. It's almost nine, but five one two IPA straight out of the heart of Austin, Texas. You can get it canned. Uh, I mean, I think that's rock solid. I mean, borderline nine. So there you go, beer, wine. We're all good to go. Cheers, man. Texas Tech, baby. So, all right. Now we're now we're having ourselves a party. And, of course, we want to end this segment, as always, by reminding our audience to please drink responsibly. So. Absolutely. The only way to do so. Yes. Um. Yeah. So back to uh, the task at hand, the Ole Miss Rebels, yes. who take home their first College World Series title uh, and their sixth appearance in the College World Series, their first – uh, since 2014, and uh, it comes in head coach Mike Bianco's 22nd season. 
a team that, you know, as we've talked about was at this point in time, almost two months ago, it looked like their season was, was just dead in the water. Like this, the yeah. month of April rolled around and the wheels completely came off. It was just, yeah, they series, fell out of the top 25. Yeah. Series. Uh, yeah. A team that started in the top, <laughs> the top five for the year. Um, after a great non-conference performance uh, for some good teams, uh, gets into SEC play and the wheels just completely come off in April. Uh, series loss after series loss uh, in SEC play, uh, dropping midweek games. Um, just it was ugly baseball being played up in Oxford, <laughs> Mississippi at that period of time. They were seven and fourteen in SEC play, basically around like a five hundred or so club heading into the month of May, and. Um, and yeah, that's just, yeah, they, Ole Miss is one of those teams that we were looking at. They like, they were towards the bottom few teams and within the SEC 14 team league, uh, only the top 12 teams get into the, uh, into the SEC tournament in Hoover. And, uh, um, that, uh, and so that completely changed, uh, that, that just couldn't change like what the look of like, Hey, what do we even like expect out of Ole Miss to finish year? It's like, Hey, can these guys just even squeak in, uh, here in Hoover and possibly try to do something. Uh, but things completely turned around, uh, for Oklahoma, uh, not Oklahoma, Ole Miss, excuse me. We'll talk about the Sooners here in a second. Um, things completely turned around for the rebels, uh, and Ole Miss, uh, in the month of May, uh, rattled off multiple uh, streaking together wins. They're getting these uh, mm-hmm. these uh, SEC series victories there. I believe they finished yeah with thirteen or fourteen SEC wins by the end of uh, of conference play. Um, uh, they're in, uh, heading into Hoover. Uh, although they did drop that final series regular season series to A and M. Ultimately, did get a game out of it. Uh, but they're still safely in uh, in Ox in um, in Hoover to be able to play the SEC tournament, but they went zero and one to start the tournament, and so it, where they were set in the bracket, that's uh, that single elimination. So that loss sent them home, and they were going into that selection show ultimately like nobody expected them to get uh, into the tournament this year. However, they end up being the sixty fourth team in the NCAA tournament. Um, 64. <laughs> yeah. Then had to go, uh, had to go on the road uh, to, uh, to play regionals down in Coral Gables uh, with Miami hosting. They knocked Miami out of their own, uh, uh, out of their own regional. Uh, Ole Miss ends up, uh, yeah, ends up winning that one over Arizona and they go on the road and they outright sweep in uh, two games, Southern Miss and the Supers. Uh, and then they make their run all the way through, um, all the way through the bracket um, to to get to the championship series, and then um, end up taking those two games. So, yeah, re- remarkable, remarkable for Ole Miss. We've been keeping up, and I mean, I don't want to rehash what we said before the series, but I I, I mainly want to focus on the series itself. It was two games; it's the best two out of three. And in that first game, which was on a Saturday night, it's uh, all this came out hot. Um, you know, by the by the third inning, they were up four zip. <laughs> you know, and then Jack Dogerty, that guy pitching five innings, giving up two runs. I mean, he did quite good. I mean, keeping them at bay, and. Oklahoma tried to come back in the sixth, got it to 4-2. But then 
Ole Miss just blows past them. They ended up winning 10 to three. Uh, they did it with three pitchers, five, two, and two, respectively, for all three of those pitchers. And Oklahoma, man, they had to go to their bullpen, and it was just nasty. Their starter went six and a third, gave up three, not too shabby. But then they brought in Chaz Martinez, and he just gives a four in the 1.1 innings. And it just, I guess their bullpen just didn't show up. It's the story of the game, really the story of the series. It's, you got to have all three. To, <laughs> yeah, to the, the bullpen was pretty was pretty solid for Oklahoma throughout the regular season. Then yeah. in the, uh, the postseason to that point. I mean, yeah, especially like the bullpen matched uh, what, what the starting pitching was bringing, uh, yeah, good evening, Don, um, uh, matched what the, what the starting pitching was bringing for the Sooners. Um, really when we look at late April throughout, uh, the, over the next couple of months in the postseason, but then you get to the finals and it just completely falls apart. And then you mm-hmm. have, but you have then the best of, yeah. And then you have Ole Miss's pitching that just completely shuts down Oklahoma, they're yeah. not letting that. Uh, they're not letting runners get in motion, which was a lot of uh, a lot of Oklahoma's game. Guys aren't getting on base, um, and it just it it takes uh, Oklahoma's game plan seemingly completely out of the equation. But you had the absolute best of what Ole Miss baseball is, which is power bats, uh, guys that you know that 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 get the ball out there onto the outfield or out of the park for that matter. Uh, Omaha this year was playing as a uh, as an offensive park there, uh, Charles Schwab Field, the Chuck Box. Uh, historically, it's kind of been a very cavernous stadium compared to the old Rosenblatt Field, um, but they uh, but Ole Miss just absolutely turned it on for sure, um, and their pitching was uh, phenomenal. Dylan Delucia earning the, uh, <laughs> the the most outstanding player uh, this year in the College World Series. Absolutely, and they did all of this. Without Taiwan Malone, I guess he had to go into football practice. So, I mean, they could have used a clutch bomb. Well, they could have used it. Well, the the, the real story is they went without it because that first game they won 10 to 3 at 16 hits. So the bats were hot and heavy. So we come on into Sunday, and this is the one that I was actually able to catch a little bit. I was watching it with Don the other day. And this one was more of a pitching duel through five innings. It sips zip, but then the bottom of the six, Oklahoma comes up one zip. So you think, oh man, uh, well, uh, actually reverse that. Ole Miss goes up one in the bottom of the six, and then in the top of the seven, Oklahoma's up two one. So you figure, yes, this is the moment where Oklahoma takes the middle game and then they forces a rubber game. But no, uh, in the bottom of the eighth. Ole Miss not only ties the game to a piece, uh, but they blow past and they end up scoring three runs in that inning. They have a four to two lead. And, you know, Oklahoma at that point had one more chance in the top of the ninth and they blew it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, I mean, pitching wise, you know, Cade Horton went seven and in, in a third inning gave up two runs for the Sooners. So when it comes to, I mean, he, he struck out 13 in seven innings and only gave up two runs. So it, it, that was more of a case where your starter does the job. I mean, that's a quality start. 13 strikeouts. I mean, how much more do you want? I mean, he threw in 107 pitches. Oklahoma's offense just straight up didn't show up. And <laughs> it's so it's, 
one problem one day, another problem the next. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the things you can certainly say came down to, to it this year was Oklahoma having a very talented, uh, talented roster and clubhouse, albeit a very young group of guys, a lot of, uh, a lot of freshmen, sophomore pieces that were part of the effort this year. Uh, while Ole Miss very veteran heavy, uh, team, you know, we're talking about guys like Tim Elko and multiple others, uh, that, you know, after, uh, uh, after Ole Miss's uh, loss in the Super Regionals last year at Arizona down the Tucson Super Regional, uh, a lot of guys that had great cases for uh, for moving on to Major League Baseball uh, and their pro career. Uh, yeah, moving on to different organizations there. But uh, yeah, you collectively came together and thought that they truly had something to prove. I mean, they're, they're, they weren't ranked a top five team heading into the year for no reason. Uh, but this was a what you just saw was uh, I believe ultimately a veteran group of guys that understood how to, to face adversity, how to, that they had seen the lowest of lows. I mean, you're talking about guys, you know, that ha- had their season canceled uh, in the middle of COVID, you know, they, they go, they, they absolutely have just a disastrous start to their conference play that forces them to come back and, uh, and spark things up. Everything uh, they did, they were able to go as high as they did because they had experienced as low as they did as well mm-hmm. too. Um, and they were just so focused and locked in uh, to be in a, a complete team this year in Omaha. Um, so yeah, it just, it's a great story in terms of, you know, look at the guys that, that have just been there forever uh, up in Oxford, you know, uh, who had come into that program later on um, and, uh, and decided they were going to make a difference that they were going to be the reason ultimately why this, uh, this rebels program got their first college world series title. So yeah, just a beautiful, the beautiful part of the sport here and just how it, it, ever expanding the opportunities are for, for new teams to get in here and to be a part of the action. You know, we've seen our red Raiders, uh, make it into, uh, you know, they, they make it to, uh, Omaha for the first time eight years ago. They've had several appearances since, um, you have, uh, you have, uh, Mississippi state last year that gets their first ever title, uh, in program history. They get their first ever, uh, ever title in any sport for, uh, for Mississippi state. You've got the rebels this year, uh, of Ole Miss just down, just up the road in Oxford, um, that they get their first title. I mean, there's the, it's a beautiful evolution of this game of college baseball. You know, it was once a very West Coast kind of heavy sport. Uh, yeah, like Omaha was uh, basically where the kind of like the the yearly summer break destination for uh, for all these uh, schools uh, throughout California and places like Arizona State, Arizona, Texas. Uh, but you know, has very much expanded further east and um, and it's uh, and it's bringing more new teams into the fold. And so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm as ever optimistic about this game as I could be. If I can pull up this tweet here that has the numbers for, uh, for the viewership this year. Um, so first off here for, for Ole Miss and OU, uh, um, I think like total viewership came out to 1.59 million people. Uh, that were, uh, that tuned in uh, for both games at the college world series this year. Uh, and then two, uh, and then also giving a shout out as well, uh, 
essentially kind of like to the sister sport here of softball that the women's college world series for softball drew 1.58 million viewers uh, between the two games. So the OU and uh, Texas championship match in the women's college world series. Um, so yeah, these are, these are games that are, uh, that are, that are on the rise for sure in popularity yeah. and, uh, people giving the sport a shot, which is really cool to see. That is really interesting. So, on the rise for sure people tuning into america's pastime uh, our patreon producer don hale poses a very interesting question indeed of all the players in the college world series who do you think will be drafted by the texas rangers so th- so this is limited to the college world series itself if it were not uh, i would say that they would want to pick up ben joyce of the university of tennessee why because that guy threw 105.5 miles an hour <laughs> earlier this year. So uh, he's a volunteer fireman, and he has, just, he has one heck of an arm. So uh, someone's going to pick him up. But at the question that is posed is the College World Series. So, Trav, I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, standout players, Ole Miss, Oklahoma. I mean, who do you think is going to... Uh, uh, is going to be someone that a team like your Texas Rangers are going to be desperate to <laughs> snatch. Oh man, uh, <laughs> I uh, I just gotta <laughs> say, man, if uh, if Dylan, I can't remember, is Dylan Delusia? What year is he? Let me look this up. Dylan Delusia is a, I believe Dylan Delusia is a senior or a junior or maybe even a grad student this year um so he was a junior this year so i believe he's eligible for the draft at this point now man i feel like dylan delucia's gotta be he's gotta go somewhere he's gotta be a uh hmm. <laughs> he's gotta be a hot commodity there yeah we're as we're talking about um yeah I, man i feel like as we're talking about the the draft now, which is only, which is less than a month away at this point, my mind still hasn't fully just shifted there <laughs> to that point yet. And really evaluating the, uh, the whole field and the possibilities and then knowing where like draft orders and everything is, uh, right now. So I don't know where, uh, yeah, where the Rangers would possibly go with this. I hope they, I hope they look at more pitching. I think yes. they continue to build around what you have, uh, what you have going with Jack Leiter, um, there. I mean, just, it, I feel like it would just do the Rangers so well to become a, uh, especially the way the new ballpark plays out there, which is a very cavernous, which is shown to be a very cavernous place and somewhere that, you know, you could really take advantage of it being a pitcher's park, like get really build a pitching heavy program uh, with the Rangers there. So I would hope that they're looking at uh, Mm -hmm. strong pitching performances here between the CWS and the rest of uh, the NCAA tournament. Yes, get Ben Joyce, get that fast arm. Of course, you probably you'll probably inherit a Tommy John at some point because that guy's just throwing absolute gas. But hey, you know he could. It is a gamble, as every draft is. But yeah, hopefully you get that. I mean, talk about the Golden Spike, a winner, the Hispanic Titanic. I mean, that guy's only a freshman. Uh, Ivan Melendez of the Longhorns, but man, that guy can just maintain production he's gonna be like a first round draft pick <laughs> i swear and that guy is just jack lads like it's nobody's business um yeah. you gotta wonder if eventually because 
Jace Young, Texas Tech. He's got. Does he have one more year? I think. I think he's off to the pros. Ooh, think, uh, you think he's done? He's done. Yes, I think up. his. Uh, I think his college career is done. Oh. I think it's. I think it's time for him to move into a move into a into a farm system somewhere and uh, start developing there. I think that's where his uh, time will best be used. Yes, I agree with you, Don. Pitching, pitching, and more pitching. There's uh, there's no excuse for the Rangers not to build around that. Yes, build around and draft people from Cuba, guys. Expand it. You know, the foreign market is where it's at. The DR, the Cubans. I mean, you get some good talent down there. But, uh, yeah, only one can hope. But, uh, you know, let's turn our attention to the new top 25. And, of course, yes, I mean, they, they put the, Ole Miss at number one. Yep, and Oklahoma the final top two. 25 here of the year until uh, – until next year's preseason rankings comes out. So, uh, yeah, all, all the baseball publications go into focus on, uh, obviously, the draft. And then once the fall comes around, fall ball and recruiting and all that. But, yeah, D1 puts out their final top 25 of the year. Uh, Ole, Miss, um, Ole Miss finishes uh, number one in this. They were yeah. not even <laughs> in their previous ranking, uh, which was just before um, just before regional started. Uh, they were not even ranked. So, uh, yeah, mm. all the, from not ranked all the way up to number one, how quickly yeah. things can change in college baseball. Exactly. Yes. Oklahoma Sooners, they, uh, the runner-up in this year's CWS, they continued their climb uh, that really uh, really got going at the end of the season, uh, moving up from number nine previously up to number two in the country. Texas A&M moves up a couple spots from number five to number three. Arkansas makes a major uh jump up uh from their uh, from their sim uh finishing in the semifinals this year of the cws uh from number 23 all the way up to number four in the country wow. stanford uh you know stanford was one of uh one of the first couple teams to leave the uh the cws this year however they are going to uh, finish number five in the country uh number two uh let's say drop slightly from number two where they were previously heading into the postseason Notre Dame makes a significant jump up from number 17 up to number six. Uh, Auburn, another significant jump up from number 25 uh, to uh, to number seven. Uh, in Texas, the uh, the very first team to leave Omaha this year makes the significant jump up from uh, 16 all the way up to number eight. So mm-hmm. finishing right in line with their uh, with their finish in the College World Series this year, and then the team the 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 best team ultimately uh, not to make Omaha uh, get. Uh, here, obviously, we're talking about the Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, you know, it drops from number one down to number nine. But I, mean, I think it is, this is a rifle place um, in the rankings here. I mean, this just talent-wise, everything on paper, ultimately even how the team played with their uh, with some of their flaws uh, in Super Regionals um, compared, to, uh, compared to Notre Dame. I still am confident that was the best team that did not make Omaha this year for sure. Absolutely. And they're probably, with the amount of talent that they're going to return next year, they're probably, they have a very good chance of being the number one team heading into next season. Oh, yeah. Oregon State, uh, they make the drop from uh, from number three uh, down to the number 10 team. Virginia Tech down, drop from number four down to number 11. Ole Miss makes the drop from number eight down to number 12. Uh, and Louisville. East Kirk, yeah, Louisville, excuse me. Yes. <laughs> uh, they drop from eight down to number 12. And then East Carolina, they drop from number 10 down to 13. Uh, I am going to... Uh, Actually, let me keep going here. Uh, North Carolina 
drops from 11 to 14. Southern Miss stays there at 15. Uh, Connecticut um, took it all the way to the Super Regional Finals versus Stanford. Mm. They uh, they were not ranked heading into uh, into the postseason. However, they'll finish the year as the number 16 best team in the country. I am. Uh, this is my this is my first disagreement I'm going to have to this point right here. I wasn't. I just wasn't super impressed with Louisville. Uh, I mean, I think you know they you you saw much more of a closer you saw much more of a return to the Louisville brand of baseball, which is very high powered offense, uh, mm-hmm. pretty good pitching, all that. Played Texas A&M very close in those games, but Connecticut really impressed me a considerable bit more, and I think was the more complete team uh, that really gave uh, really gave Stanford a, a, a you know a run for its money there in the super regionals. I would flip Connecticut and Louisville. I think uh, mm. Connecticut should be the number twelve team there. They just impressed mm. me a lot more. Uh, UConn did. Oklahoma State dropped from number six down to number 17, uh, being a national seed in regionals, however, losing to Arkansas ultimately at home. They're in the regional final. Uh, Maryland drops from number 12 down to number 18. Texas State drops from number 13 down to number 19. Uh, this is one that I was very surprised to see here, that Miami uh, you know, gets knocked out of their own regional. Um, there uh, as a... I mean, you know, Oklahoma State had the same thing happen to them, but I just was not impressed. My, Miami just did not have a really impressive end to the season whatsoever. Um, yeah. From uh, from you know their final final series of the last month, month and a half uh, into the ACC tournament, uh, they just kind of were sleepwalking a bit. Um, and I think you know benefited uh, from just certain nuances of their their schedule, how that fell together. So I'm not, uh, I wasn't super, yeah, like I said, not super impressed. I think. I I don't understand why Miami fell all the way. Uh, didn't fall all the way out of the top twenty-five. To be to be frank with you, uh, <laughs> Florida drops from uh, number eighteen down to number twenty-one. UCLA drops from number nineteen down to number twenty-two. Uh, TCU drops one spot from twenty-two to twenty-three. Our Texas Tech Red Raiders remain uh, remain right where they started, heading into the postseason uh, at number twenty-four. And then the LSU Tigers, previously unranked, heading into the postseason, finishes the 25th best team uh, in the country, ultimately going uh, 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 going down to the finals of the uh, the Southern Miss uh, regional. There, uh, almost advanced on at that point. The teams that dropped out of the top 25: the Gonzaga Bulldogs uh, from number 14 all the way out, the UC Santa Barbara Gauchos from number 20 all the way out, and then the Georgia Southern Eagles which Texas Tech knocked them out of their own regional all the way out uh, from uh, from previously the num- number 21 team in the country. And so that's the, uh, those are the final rankings this year um, there you go. for, uh, for college baseball. Uh, obviously when, when it comes around to, uh, to early next year, uh, heading into, uh, into February and the preseason top 25, that's going to be very dependent on, uh, on Transfers. what it yeah, going to be very dependent yeah. on you know guys that uh, ultimately graduate, uh, guys that do uh, do take offers uh, from the draft and ultimately sign and leave. Uh, the, the recruiting coming in, uh, you know, college baseball, you have large recruiting classes. Some of those guys will choose not to sign with their programs and go straight uh, straight to the pros. Uh, like you said, mm-hmm. transfers. We're going to deal with those. 
Texas Tech right now has one of like the smallest amount of transfers compared to uh, compared to the rest of the conference and some teams right. like Texas and Oklahoma State that are really dealing with uh, with some serious numbers of players transferring out right now. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the programs like uh, like Baylor and Kansas State, which are in rebuilding mode right now, also dealing with a lot of transfers. Uh, but Tech really only has a handful of them. Uh, the two names of which I recognize uh, the most so far being Shea Hardis, uh, one of the bullpen guys, who I believe is committed to K-State now. Trevor Conley, the brother of Cal Conley, is uh, is in the mm. transfer portal as well. Interesting. Uh, there are uh, several other guys who I uh, – just names I did not recognize uh, – really did not get starts or really any sort of uh, any sort of work on the depth chart this year, obviously looking um, for, for playing elsewhere. It's the sport of college baseball, 11.7 scholarships. That essentially means that only, uh, only 25, like only like quarter to a third of your team is getting fun uh, <laughs> is, uh, is getting funding for their, <laughs> uh, their education as a college baseball player. At one time, we've talked before about the, uh, the volunteer unpaid assistant in there. Baseball yeah. deals with its limitations um, as a team, and you know those limitations, scholarship-wise, especially, uh, contribute to a lot of the pitching issues the teams have, and being able to to develop guys uh, that way uh, to have good depth there. But um, yeah, they they'll all be dependent uh, on the, all those factors together. Uh, you know, when we look, uh, uh, the the D one guys, they always do a. a at one of their podcasts talking about the top 25, uh, the rhyme and the reason behind uh, what they put in there, both by what the roster ultimately stacks up to be and then what they observed as well in fall ball. A lot of those uh, guys from D1, they travel around to different places. They get a look at different teams during fall ball. Um, so those things will all come uh, into the fray when it comes to determining what next year's top 25 is. Exactly. Uh, just looking at this, this is season as a whole. Disappointed about Mississippi State. They won last year, and you would expect them to make a good showing. And the very beginning of the season, they were just they were out without a trace. I'm also disappointed in Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is a is a team that they're they're a solid program, and I think they massively underperformed this year. So I would look for a team of that caliber with that coaching staff and the facilities to, I mean, they have to, I don't know if their coach is in the hot seat. I uh, wonder if, you know, they got to, you know, they got to really take a serious look and they need to do better next year because they need to be, a, they need to be established themselves as a perennial powerhouse. Um, Arkansas is paving the way. I mean, it's, it's just this team is really starting the show. Stanford's really starting the show. They're starting to establish themselves. Tennessee, obviously, is probably going to be number one. And can they actually make it to the World Series this time around uh, if the gang all stays together? Got to love the mid-majors representing East Carolina. Uh, we, we both picked them to make the World Series, and they almost did. So we almost were saved there. Uh, Texas State, a great year for them to really build off of. Uh, same goes for Southern Miss. I mean, way to come out of nowhere and just, you know, you just <laughs> at one point probably they were probably in the, I think they were in the top five at one point during the regular season, and it's just they really outstanding year for them. I love my, I love me some mid majors, natural underdogs. The story. What a year for Texas A&M, too. This is a year that they need to be proud of themselves. 
I made it all the way to the World Series, and they probably could have made it all the way. But Arkansas, you know, those pesky Arkansas Razorbacks, knock them out. Um, and so I'm impressed. I was rooting for them all year I was co- while I was covering the SEC. And just selfishly, I just wanted to make them in because represented Texas school. But good for you guys. Uh, underwhelming for Texas. Of course, when you're pre-ranked number one, it's it's obviously going to be, you know, overwhelming. But, um, you know, and then Texas Tech, obviously, it's a, it's a bummer for them. But it sounds like the gang, the, the, the band's getting back together. And have a lot of returning talent next year. Obviously, some guys are going to have to replace. I think I saw... They landed a commit. They landed a transfer commit actually today from Wofford, uh, an outfielder who has mm. like a three had like a three sixty three batting average on the past year. So uh, a, a good power bat out there in that uh, that part of the lineup, which would be really good. Um, nice. So yeah, a lot of returning talent. Uh, I think you know, there's there's good pieces that they're going to have coming in with the incoming class. Uh, they'll they'll work transfers pretty well um, too. So I think there's. I mean, certainly it's not out of the question to look at Texas Tech as a top 10 or top 5 team heading into uh, heading into the next season. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Well, it's it was good. It was unpredictable. Very uh, unpredictable. Just one of the wildest, I think one of the wild, if not the wildest, college baseball season since I started watching the sport actively almost a decade ago. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, obviously I have a very short time frame of, uh, my scope of history here within the sport, <laughs> but I was thoroughly entertained from beginning to end. There were just so many compelling storylines and nuances here of how you evaluated and judged the sport this year. Uh, you know, it was always pretty, you know, the, 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 the arguments about RPI uh, and then uh, <laughs> strength of schedule, how you factored that into uh, hosting and seating and, uh, and you know, the ultimately getting selected into the field this year for Omaha the uh um and then yeah i think that was the the big one like and then just bubble teams and all that stuff but ultimately i mean it's perfect we'll, we'll keep playing this game year after year and presumably yeah. keep figuring out how to uh how to make this better yeah man um it was fun it was a good ride uh there is a lot of talent there it's exciting I mean, a lot of favorite moments of the year. I mean, selfishly, it's Texas Tech when they face Texas in Lubbock. The walk-off steal from home, and then the walk-off grand slam from Kurt Wilson. Uh, I know you and I were kind of joking around about making the trek up there, but I'm kicking ourselves because if we did, we would have seen the walk-off grand slam. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, we'll get get up there next year. Yes. we always say next year, and then it never happens. But let's make it actually happen. Yes, for once. I'll uh, I'll hold you to that. Yes, exactly. Once the schedule comes out, we'll figure out what uh, what looks good and uh, get out there. Exactly, and then of course another favorite moment. Obviously, Ben Joyce throwing 105. That was epic. It just it helps place the sport on the map. You have talented individuals who are at the collegiate level who can. I mean, you can pick that guy up, and he can, he can pitch a, he can pitch in the majors right now. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, they might light him up, but he can throw 105 if he really tries. <laughs> so, um, I'm pretty confident about that. But anyway, 
And then the horns down heard around the world. I remember that. Texas State beating Texas. The most disrespectful horns down I've ever seen in my life, and I loved every second of it. Yeah. <laughs> I threw their ace out there in a midweek game because they uh, <laughs> wanted their best shot at beating Texas. And, yes. Uh, it made it happen. Oh, uh, that was so awesome. Uh, it was just, oh, it was the best. But it's just moments like that, they happen in the collegiate level. The composite bats, the bat flips, the disrespect. It's just, it's all there, guys. <laughs> so it all is. Man, so, I mean, any last words for you on the season? Any things that stood out or just disappointments or things that you remember? All I could say is bring on, uh, bring on 2023. So, there you <laughs> go. Yeah. Fall ball will be here before we know it. So it'll be fun to see the draft uh, come up next, uh, next month and how that affects rosters for next year. So I'm, I'm already thinking ahead to next season. That's where my mind's at. There you go. We can't get here fast enough. We just got to wait till next February. So a long ways away, but MLB will keep us, it will tie us over the professionals playing. So that's what we will continue to cover for the rest of the year. So thank y'all so much for joining us. College baseball was a blast. Uh, continue to join us. MLB action. We continue to have you covered the whole way through. So subscribe to no doubter. So you don't miss out on those episodes once a week, just weekly updates. We're going to be doing a whole lot more porn scores moving forward because why not? I mean, we have to. We took a little break because we want to keep it special. But let's just, I mean, we're going to be hitting it up a lot more. So you're going to want to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see the color of what we're drinking. As we describe it, the visual effect really does add to it. So you just look up No Doubter Podcast. The link's in the description below. Want, see, see, see our beautiful faces as we entertain you. Uh, give us a five-star review if you enjoyed the show. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Doubter Pod. You can follow me at boomboss 21 on Twitter. Travis Lawfully at Travis Lawfully. And if you've been watching us for a while or if you just you know want to help us out, uh, please consider joining our Patreon today. $2, $5, $10, whatever you want to give. Um, it really does help us out. It helps us recoup our costs. Shout out to Tad Bostic, longest standing patron, and Patreon producer Don Hale. You two made this show possible, and we really appreciate it. You guys immensely much. Uh, lastly, merch store, guys. Mugs, t-shirts, hoodies, baseball shirts, phone cases, whatever you want. Stuff for the whole family. It's all there. All in the description below. Check out those links. You know, reach out to us, comment on our shows. Thank y'all so much for commenting for all those who did. Uh, makes the show fun. T Bone, last college baseball episode. Let's do a proper send off. Absolutely, my friend. We're uh, we've we've had a fantastic time over these last several months, starting back in the, in February, start back in the cold winter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, bottoms up. <laughs> doing it right way uh yes. had started back in the back in february the middle of the cold winter we're all the way here in summer now season's over but we just we you know we saw baseball we just saw this is the beautiful thing about college baseball we saw really just a pure spirit to the game of baseball on display yes. as we do every single year uh, and it is guys truly giving it their all guys that are living no dire way of batting 400 and always swinging yes. for the fences and we believe that these uh, these college athletes can be 
do it like this, you can also do it as well too and everything you do in your life. We believe in y'all. We love y'all. We will see y'all next time. This episode of No Doubter was produced by Eric Bostick and Travis Lockley and edited by Travis Bostick. Our logo was designed by Lindsay Silver.